0: You're listening to a ShockCast Original. Shock. The C Word with Calista. All right, welcome back to The Seaward with me, Calista. Another episode, another cool guest. And this one, I actually had the pleasure of meeting in person a couple of years ago. Literally just before the pandemic started, I flew to Dubai, did a studio visit because that's what radio people get excited about when we visit other countries. We're all total nerds. And I got to sit in with the Chris Fade show on Virgin Radio Dubai. So what is up, Chris? It's been a while.
1: I can't believe it. Yeah, you, got, you came out like just before the whole world shut down. I think you were like one of our last guest in the studio before everything sort of shut down i'm doing good i'm here in dubai it's beautiful the weather's great we're open come visit
0: it's been looking open for a while i've been so jealous watching all your stories all your posts we've just been sitting inside it's it's a crazy time right
1: yeah i feel like we're all like on this roller coaster ride and we're all in different places right now i think i feel like dubai sort of worked towards the end of the roller coaster we've gone through all the scary Mm -hmm. parts but i look about like back home for where I'm originally from, which is Australia, like I feel like they're still in the middle of it all now getting scary and all that. So it's interesting. It's interesting. But I think it's made us all realize a little bit more about how precious sort of like just life is in general hanging out with people.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a strange time, especially I feel like for, for us on radio, right? Because like usually we're always out and about and suddenly it's like, nope, it's either you're at home or you're in the studio. And that is it. That is your life now. But saying that you have had a pretty exciting time. Congratulations on being immortal. Immortalized, Madame Tussauds.
1: Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that doesn't happen to everybody. Like, what was it like?
1: Pretty crazy. I, I moved to Dubai, like, from Sydney 13 years ago and not a lot of cash and not many friends. I really didn't know anyone. I didn't really know what Dubai was all about, to tell you the truth. Actually, the only thing I really knew about it was they said it There was some comparisons to Singapore, right? And, oh. I, and, and I loved Singapore. I had visited there a few times. So I was like, all right, well, let's go give this a little go, you know, 13 years later, I get a Madame Tussauds wax figure made of me. And that's, I don't know, it's, I I said it on an Instagram post, you know, we all have sort of like things that we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. be it in your career or maybe your bank account or whatever it is but i don't believe anyone would ever say like i'm going to try to get a madame tussauds wax figure and i never had it i never had it in my mind i all i just wanted to do was keep making good radio doing great tv being on social media and sort of just I don't know, and me. And the next thing you know, I was lucky enough and blessed enough to be selected here to uh, have a Madame Swords wax figure. So it's officially launched. It's pretty crazy. It's me and it looks exactly like me. Like yeah. uh, usually the person would be like, oh, it's a little bit different. This thing, it's, it's like me. I can't believe it.
0: I actually showed a picture to the friend that I was having dinner with. She couldn't tell which one was you and which one was the wax figure they did an amazing job on yours
1: my own mum could not tell the difference between me or the wax figure for a moment right so my fans (laughs) and my followers are like giving me love my haters are giving me hate it's such a cool thing like I took my daughters to go see it and again they're they're 12 and 10 they sort of understand what's going on and I kept having to explain to them like this is a really special moment for your dad and I think in a few years you'll realize how special it is you know
0: it's also extra special because like okay if you were an actor then yeah maybe like you said it'll be on on your list of goals that's what you want right or a singer How many radio hosts or radio jockeys actually have a wax figure? Do you even know?
1: What I love is that a lot of the radio guys from around the world have sort of reached out and just went, yo, man, it's so cool that you got a wax figure. But from, you know, within the radio industry, they're like, man, I don't know if anyone's got one. It's pretty cool. I had people in the radio industry going, yo, this is so cool for the industry. You really showed like radio guys and girls can do this sort of stuff. So it's super cool. Like I'm literally right here and then around the corner is Tom Cruise on his motorcycle. And I'm like,
0: that's what? crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I think it was probably like a collective proud moment because that's how I felt when I saw it. it. It is a radio family thing. And I think it's one of those things with radio, right? Like it's such a niche industry, but at the same time, there's also so many of us. It's kind of a, yeah. a weird situation where not everybody could be on radio, but at the same time, it, it's not like there's only like three in the world, you know?
1: Every city you go to has a radio station. That's the best thing about it. No matter what happens globally or you know in the future with podcasts like what we're creating now or anything like that radio stations will always be there you'll always be able to turn it on and get that live instant connection and I think one of the reasons why I've established myself pretty well here in this country is because you know we do a good show we do it every day we do it we've been doing it for 13 years we've made one thing that I always I always talk about is human connection, and we make a really good human connection between ourselves and whoever's listening to the show, and that's all we want to do. We try to be real. We want to we want to work out what 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 we're going through in our own lives is what other people are going through. So you know, be it I talk about my divorce or all that stuff, is what our audience sort of can relate to so you know after, after 13 years of just building a really really cool solid I call them a family or a community really
0: yeah I, I was gonna say like kind of answered some of it but I wanted to like kind of just take a step back and obviously you're on radio over there in, in the Middle East but probably the Malaysian audience probably wouldn't really be familiar with your work so maybe you could introduce yourself and take us like back to the beginning like how did everything start
1: now it's funny because Malaysia does have a connection with me on how I got to this journey. I grew up in Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. I am a Lebanese from a Lebanese family. My mom and dad are both Lebanese. And I went to school, you know, I did all right, was meant to go to college, but my marks were too low. So I didn't go to college. Mom and dad wanted me to repeat the year so I could get better grades to go to college. I said, no, and I'm glad I did at that stage, but they were really adamant that they wanted me to go back. So I sort of did really nothing for a couple of years, trying to find myself. I eventually enrolled into university, into a pretty, not, not a great university, but one that I got into. And I did a bachelor of commerce. I lasted seven weeks. I dropped out. Well, I just thought, I thought that's what you had to do. That's what yeah. you gotta do. This is what people do. They go, they go to university and get a degree, and they get a job. And So after seven weeks, I dropped out. And then I just started working in a cafe. I was a barista. I used to wash cars. I just did anything just to get some cash, you know, and I would, I would always do it. I always kept myself busy. And then eventually I, I, I worked in sales and I was selling background music, like, you know, what you hear in stores or hotels or elevators, that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. And I was doing that for a while. And then eventually about a year into it, the boss pulls me into her office and she says, yo, this job's not for you. You, you talk way too much. You do not want to be, <laughs> you should not be in an office environment. You should be doing something else. And she's like, I heard on the radio that they're looking for people to be a promotional driver of the radio promotional cars. Right. She said, why don't you try out for it? And at that stage, I just thought, all right, let's give it a go. So I, I remember putting a video together and uh, it was called Job Survivor. It was a radio competition on radio and they basically had six of us in the finals and us six had to work for the radio station for two weeks for free and in those two weeks they made us do ridiculous stunts like crazy stunts like I had to wear like a, a bikini and I had to like clean the windows of people in the traffic as they drive up to the set of lights oh no. you'd have to like clean the windows had to go to a train station with my shirt off and I had to get people to put biscuits on my body using butter and we had to put 96 of them on because it was 96.1. So they would, they wanted to see how much we wanted. And it was called Job Survival, like the TV show Survivor. Over about a month, I lost. I, came, I, I got into the top three, but the girl, the girl, this girl won it, right? Uh-huh. But I gained a lot of experience within those couple of weeks as well. Met a few people. And then about a month later, I get a call from the program director, the boss, and he's like, Hey, you know that uh, job in promotions? Do you want it? I said, Yeah, why? What happened? I thought the girl won. Yeah, she wasn't the right choice. We realized she doesn't, and, and she doesn't want the job either. So, I came straight in and I started driving a radio promotional car around Sydney. And I did that off and on for about four years and it paid horribly. I used to get about $150 a week. It was not enough to pay for my rent. So I used to work as a cleaner, like this little cleaning business that I had, I would clean offices and do this at the same time. And then It was about two years into that journey that I realized, hold on a second, I went upstairs to the top studios where all the radio studios were and I just started looking at all the presenters and seeing what they were doing. I was like, man, these guys are cool, I like this. And I used to just hang out with them and just learn the art of radio and how to do it. And I'd do my job during the day, I'd go make coffees, you know, at another part of the day. Then I'd come back and just hang out. And three years into that, that's one of the presenters said, hey, like, uh, let's try to get you on air. And they they started allowing me to do these recorded shifts. Mm -hmm. And it just gave me this experience. And then eventually the program director at the time came up to me and said, hey, we're never going to put you on the radio so you can stop trying. I'm just giving you the heads up. And I said, all right. And I remember that like really hurting me. Did I was 23. The, no, you just didn't say why. So that, that sort of hurt like, I, cause in my head I was like, oh man, maybe I'll do radio. Maybe I can do this. I love doing this, you know? And then about three weeks later, he got fired. This new guy came in and his name's Charlie Fox. He was the new boss. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he walked in, you know, I was, I remember, I, I literally remember the moment just sitting on this table in front of his office. I didn't know he was coming in. I was just sitting in his office, sitting outside of office, office, talking to a friend of mine. And then he just comes up and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Chris Fade. And he goes, what do you do here? He said, I drive the promotional car. And I was like, just, you know, wanting to be a radio presenter. And he's like, okay, I like you. And that was it. And then probably about two weeks later, he gave me the job of on air, what the old program director was doing before he got fired because he was programming and on air. So he gave me his old shift, which was like, it was an early, it was like 10 10 to 12. It was just like a midday shift or something. So that was my first real taste. I was now getting paid to do radio. So, and it was still not a lot of money. I think I got about an extra 50 bucks a week. So I was still having to do my other jobs, like being a barista and all that. Over the next three years, I... Not mastered, but I learned the art of radio Mm -hmm. properly and I really understood how to do it. And again, this guy, Charlie, really taught me the basics of how to do radio, communicating. I still remember things that he says like, don't get into radio to try to be famous or don't get into radio trying to be funny. If you Mm -hmm. do any of those two things, you will never succeed. I was like, and that always resonated with me, right? So I did that for about three years. I ended up going to different shows. I started doing the afternoon show. Then I got put onto the morning show, which is the biggest show on a radio station. And, you know, I was doing that. And that was basically what I was living in Sydney and I was loving it. And then eventually I was doing it long enough where I realized I wanted to get to another radio station, the bigger radio stations. My station was a medium station. I wanted to go to the big ones. I couldn't tap it. You know, looking back on it right now, I don't think it was just talent related. I do, you know, sometimes feel like it's the people that, you know, it's where you're from as well. Um, You know, your nationality, I felt as well. So at that time, the boss said to me, listen, man, you've been here for like six years and you've been doing a great job but there's no growth for you i i I think you need to move if you if you're not going to land another job in this country in a big station why don't you look overseas and at that time i had just broken up with i was out of a relationship and i thought you know what i got nothing to lose i was 25 years old and and he said and i said i'm ready to go so he put me in touch with a guy called ian grace who's a legend in radio in australia and he's also the CEO of uh, Virgin Radio International. So he looks after all the Virgin radio stations. So I went and met this guy and he's, you know, six foot five. He's a big Australian guy. He's like, how are you going? He goes, I've heard some of your stuff. It's good. I like it. So what do you want to do? And I said to him, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, give me, a, what do you got? And he says, I've got a job in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, or I've got a job in Dubai. Ah. He goes, and you could do you could do either of them. I can get you into either of them. You tell me which one you want. Now this was two thousand and six,
0: mm-hmm. all right.
1: So like, I knew Malaysia, but I didn't know it well, mm-hmm. right? And then I remember I only knew Dubai a little bit. Dubai wasn't the Dubai the let's drop. Cash and the bling, very different then, right? World's, world's tallest tower, Dubai. And I remember getting on Google at the time. There wasn't even a lot on Dubai in Google. But then I thought, you know what? Dubai was going to be a brand new radio station in KL. I was going to be working for, I think, your station, possibly. That's, that's the probably. station. That's the station that I think I was going to be put on, and um, I remember at the time there were two guys, and they were the morning show. I don't know if they're still there, but there was these two guys, and they they were doing really well. That's what I got told. Yeah. But then I end up, I end up saying to him, I want to go to Dubai, and the reason why I just thought it's three and a half hours away from Lebanon, which is where my parents were born. Mm-hmm. And I thought I can go and practice my Arabic. I, I, I don't really know Arabic. I, we never grew up speaking Arabic. Mm. So when I went and interviewed with him, I had a jacket on and underneath my jacket, I just had a white t-shirt and it says Dubai written all over me, right? This was our second interview. And I just put Dubai all over me. And then when I went for the second interview, because he hadn't told me that I had 100% got it. I remember taking the jacket off and going, yo, Gracie, I got Dubai written all over me. <laughs> right? and I had Dubai. Very cheesy. I, I wanted to like be different because I'm sure he was interviewing other people. Yeah. Then he said to me, all right, Virgin Radio Dubai. It's the first Middle Eastern radio station opening up under the name of Virgin. It's not there yet. You're going to go there and help set it up and you're going to do the afternoon show. So you'll be the music director and the afternoon host oh sign me up let's do it jumped on a plane a year later said goodbye to mom and dad in 2007 of november flew over here to dubai and um i had just met a girl nine months before i left sydney Mm -hmm. so i married her don't get married too quickly kids i married (laughs) her we both flew over here together. We didn't know anyone. I started this life in Dubai, started to build a radio station with another gentleman called Steve Pulley. We were given a computer and said, well, this is going to be your frequency 104.4. You'll have it in about 60 days. In the meantime, start building. So we started building this radio station, which was such an amazing experience. I started doing the afternoon show as well. I was the first voice on the station here and it's now been 13 years. So I went from the afternoon show to the morning show. I've been doing the morning show now for about 11 and a half years. And I do it with pretty, Rossi and we have like sort of the largest English radio show in the country we get anywhere between one to 1.8 million people listen every single week um and we have a lot of fun doing it like we have so so much fun we have a lot of celebrities because a lot of celebrities come to Dubai so we get all of them coming in now which is you know, which is really, really cool. Like some of the things that I've done, like there's so much of that that happens. It happens so quickly. You forget so much of it. And I think one day I'm going to write a book and I want to run through some, so many of the different experiences that we've had, you know?
0: I think that would be a book that a lot of people would enjoy reading because like your life has gone from being the college dropout. I think this is the story like a lot of people in the entertainment industry have, right? The college dropout and then like, now you have a wax figure in Madame Tussauds. Like that is a trajectory nobody could have predicted. Nobody could have even dreamed of. And there's so many things that happened along the way. I was like trying to go through your Instagram because obviously I met you before. So I've got like two years of seeing you on Instagram before this. Sure. And I was like, well, looking. You hosted the Oscars, right? Well, not hosted, yeah, so, Oscars, oh, the red carpet.
1: For the network out here, which is which is called OSN, for the last four mm. years, I get to do the, their red carpet at the Oscars, which is again just such a brilliant experience to be able to. I'm I'm not wearing this, and I look a lot better, and I've got a tuxedo <laughs> on and. I'm on the red carpet of the Oscars whilst all the biggest stars in the world come by you. And it's pretty crazy. Like, there's no red carpet like the Oscars red carpet. And no matter how many times you do it, it's war. Like, because you're basically lined up and there is, let's say, 50 of the biggest media outlets from around the world. Mm -hmm. So Asia will bring theirs, the Middle East will bring theirs. You got the Americans, you got, you got everyone. You got, as the celebrities walk up, it's, you just got to get them that they decide where they want to go, you know? And so on that mm. red carpet, you've got this loud Australian guy. I'm definitely the loudest guy up there, which is good. Cause it helps. And we have the best fun, man. Like just getting these people like, you know, I remember one time I had Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. in the background and Salma Hayek coming towards me and in my head, I'm like, Oh my gosh. I want to interview confused. I want to interview Selma Hayek but that's Nicole Kidman and I'm Aussie and she's Aussie and Selma Hayek's also got Lebanese in her as well which is interesting oh, so no. I had, and I had to make a decision within like 2 seconds and I and I took Selma and I no regret I I took Selma did an amazing interview with Selma Hayek and then Nicole Kidman is still to my left doing an interview with someone else now she's married to Keith Urban mm-hmm. right Keith Urban, a huge singer, country singer, also Aussie. I said to him, yo, Keith, in an Australian accent, because I wanted him to hear my Aussie accent. And he looks around. I said, man, just give me two minutes with with Nicole, please, please, please. And he's like, "Okay, let me see what I can do. And then she finished the interview and she got rushed off. But he was cool enough to look back.
0: At least there's like some some kind of connection, right? Like, yeah, like, and usually they'll remember if you make that kind of impact.
1: Yeah, it's surreal, like, because these are the people that you have watched growing up, and these mm-hmm. are the ones that you see, and then when they're right next to you, like Leonardo DiCaprio just walked like a foot away from me, right? Oh and God. I'm just looking at him, and he didn't do any interviews. He didn't want to do any interviews, right? So when when you do the Oscars red carpet, the celebrities will, they usually have two laneways. They've got the laneway that that comes Across all the media, right? Okay. And then like three feet away, there's another laneway. And that's where the celebs that don't want to talk to anyone really want to go. The, They're happy to walk the red carpet and wave at everyone, but they won't stop. And mm. so Leo was in that one, which was still only like maybe five or six feet away from me. And I'm like, I'm just looking going, that is Leonardo DiCaprio. Look, look. Like, like he's just there, you know, like it's it's crazy. Like it's crazy. So yeah, the Oscars and that red carpet. Truly, truly amazing.
0: You say it as if like, you know, you only see celebrities on the red carpet. But one of the, I want to say one of the biggest things that probably happened um, in your life was when Will Smith was part help, of your help, proposal.
1: Help. <laughs> I had the legend Will Smith helped me with my wedding proposal, my marriage proposal to uh, my blowing. fiance, Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, huh? So that was that was surreal. I had, I've interviewed Will a number of times. I had interviewed him in Dubai three times in person. I had been in Paris and interviewed him with Martin Lawrence. I had interviewed him on the phone. He loves Dubai. So I was told by Disney, yo, do you want to fly out to Oman to interview the cast of Aladdin? And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, let's do this. And then they said, oh, but Will's not doing any interviews. And I'm like, nah. I'm not going to go. I said, as much as I love the cast and the cast mm-hmm. is fantastic, still I'm going to, you know, fly out there, do that. I want will, Everyone's going to ask, where's Will Smith? He's, the, he's Aladdin. Yeah. So then they said, okay, let us see what we can do. And I said, all right. And then I came back to them. I said, listen, I've got an idea. And they said, what is it? I said, I'm planning on proposing to my fiance. So why don't ask Will's team, tell him it's me, he'll know who I am, if he will help me with my proposal. And they were like, oh my gosh, really? I said, yeah, yeah, really, ask him. So then about three days later, I get a call from the Disney guys and they're like, he's 100% in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So now I was planning on proposing to Brianna, but not right. This was happening a week later. I wasn't planning on that week later. We were going to go to New York and I thought I'll do it in New York and Ryan Seacrest, I was going to get him to help me. And I had already had that planned and sort of ready to go. And so, cause I wanted to do something different. Next thing you know, we're on a plane. I hadn't had the ring. I was getting a ring, but I didn't have it then. So I called up my mate, who's the jeweler. And I'm like, bro, you got four days to finish this ring. And he's like, oh are you God. serious? I'm like, yeah, I need it. So he quickly gives the ring. We now fly to Oman, uh, sorry, to Jordan. The crazy thing is, I'm now carrying this ring with me. And you know, when you fly, you, you have to declare certain things like jewelry, if, especially if it's boxed up Mm -hmm. and all I'm thinking to myself is like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to put this and I'm only taking hand luggage with me. We're only going for uh, 24 hours. And I'm like, I'm going to take this luggage and he's going to see it in the, you know, and I'm like, what do I do here? So, Thankfully, Brianna was having some issues getting through uh, passport control with her electronic passport. So okay. I had already gone through and I looked back and I said to her, I pretended I was like frustrated. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not waiting. I'm going through. So I quickly went through and I put the bag in and I told the guy everything. I said, hey, I'm doing a surprise proposal for my, my girlfriend. There is a ring in there. You're probably going to see it. Please don't call it out. Went through. He said, no problem. He took it, whatever. I got on the plane. We then get a call. I'm in a hotel room. It's the smallest hotel. I'm in this little room and it's just Brianna and I. And then I get a message from Will Smith's team. Hey, Will wants to talk to you. Are you available? I'm like, well, I'm in a hotel room just with Brianna. And I'm like, give me five minutes. I'm just in the room with Brianna. I'll make an excuse to leave the room. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, what am I gonna tell Brianna? Like, where am I going? Like, it's just weird. So then I said, oh, I'm gonna go get some ice. Cause I figured that's what everyone says in movies. Like (laughs) I'm gonna go get ice. So she's like, all right. And so I just closed the door. I just went down one level, went into the elevator, went down one level, sat there, called up. Will's publicist says, hey Chris, how you doing? I said, good. She's like, listen, we just wanna make sure this is all real. This is not like a PR stunt. I'm like, no and they're like well cuz we saw about 3 months ago that you fake proposed to Brianna in a in a in a cinema <sighs> these guys like wanted to make sure they went they did their homework on me right and and i fake proposed to brianna in a movie theater but she was in on it and we okay. were doing it as a radio it was just a radio bit that we were doing so i'm like no 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 i'm legit i've got the ring like we're ready to go and then Will gets on the phone. He's like, yo, how you doing? He's like, are we really going to do this? I'm like, man, I'm ready to go. And he's like, I've got an idea. I want to throw it towards you. Let me know if you're cool with it. And I said, sure, Will. And there I am just talking to Will Smith, man. Like it's freaky on the phone. You know.
0: Planning a proposal As if he's like Your, be- your bestie <laughs> Yeah
1: And then he comes up With this wicked idea And I'm like Cool let's roll it out The next day As a man I had told a few friends Pretty my co-host She's like You gotta get her To get her nails done somehow And you've gotta get her To dress something nice Because she's gonna Remember this moment I got the Disney guys Who were fantastic To write an email To me saying Hey it's gonna be A gala lunch On the roof So make sure You're all dressed nicely So I sent that to Brian. I said oh there's some beautiful gala lunch that we have to do and she's like okay cool so she's now all dressed up she's got her nails done which is great i've got this chunky ring in my suit pocket my pants are too tight i'm trying not to let her see ring thing we're on the way to the interview area you know that feeling sick to your stomach Mm -hmm. like that is legit Mm -hmm. and that's the first time that i was like man i really feel sick to my stomach so we drive there we get there i interview the rest of the cast of Aladdin right? And I'm not even hearing what they're telling me. I'm interviewing the director who is director of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Like, this guy's legit cool. My mind's gone blank with him, right? (laughs) Guy Ritchie. I'm interviewing Guy Ritchie. Like, I love Guy Ritchie, but I don't even care about Guy Ritchie at this moment. Like, I'm sitting in front of him. I don't even know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Brianna is told by the publicist, okay, everybody, you got to go upstairs. Now, they were all in on this. The crew were in on this. Everyone knew to get Brianna to the roof. Mm-hmm. And they said to Brianna, I said to Br- I said to her, hey, I've organized a selfie with the three of us on the roof with Will Smith, so go wait up for me. After I do this interview, he's going to come up with me and we're going to take a quick selfie. And she's like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. She hasn't met Will Smith at this time. She's loving love. He's on the roof. She's waiting there. I go downstairs. Will walks in, gives me this hug, and he just whispers in my ear, we're really gonna do this, right? I said, man, let's do it. He's like, well, well let's, we have to do an interview. So we did, a, we did an interview for Aladdin, the movie. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not even hearing anything Will <laughs> says. Six minutes of the interview, I actually say that to him. I say, Will, I don't even know what you're saying, man. I'm, I'm about to have a heart attack here. Like my heart is doing this, my stomach's sick. He's like, let's get this done. We walk upstairs. And I've got this all filmed and it's, again, it's crazy for me because you're walking up these little set of stairs in Jordan. I've got just me and Will Smith, you know, he's got his camera behind him. I've got my camera on as well. He looks at me. I'm like, I'm telling him what we're going to do. I'm going to go out first and then you're going to do your thing. Da, da, da. He's like, Okay. Okay. He walks out. He's the first one to walk out. You see Brianna just go. Oh. And then he's like, how are you doing? And Will is the, nut. the Will Smith that you see, Mm -hmm. on everything is, is him. It's like, it's not an act. He's just the most genuine dude. Right. And he goes and gives Brianna a nice big hug. And then he gets his phone and he's like, let's take a selfie. So the plan was he's pretending to take a selfie with Brianna as he's doing that. I pop around from behind Mm -hmm. and in the camera of the phone, I'm on my knees. Right. Mm -hmm. So he goes, he gets into position. I'm trying to still get this chunky box out of my pocket. (laughs) because my pants are too tight, and I, and I finally get it out. And and he's now in position. I'm on my knees, but he, he's trying to find me in the in the rear view. Oh, it's no.
0: Like, and like, I can just imagine it.
1: And, and he's trying to find me. Then he stops because he sees me. And Brianna's nervous. She's taking a selfie with Will Smith. Like, she's loving this. And then you just see her just go, <gasps> She saw me on my knees and, man, she just broke down and cried. And then I said, you know, will you marry me? And I had this whole thing that I wanted to say, but I was so, like, nervous and I just think I said, will you marry me? Like, that's all I said. <laughs> the only thing that came out of my mouth. And then she said yes and we hugged. And the coolest thing was, like, Will Smith's got my phone. And I've seen this on a Someone shot behind Will. Will is taking photos of us the whole time. Like he's like my older brother, like making sure he's getting all the moments. And then he comes in, he gives us a hug and he's just giving us this really joyful hug saying, I'm so happy for you guys. And then once it all sort of settled down he brought us back together. And he said this, he's, and this is again, there's no one filming this and there's no mm-hmm. one leaving there. And he's like, I want to tell you something. I, he goes, this moment that you guys are, are feeling right now, this very moment of you guys, this excitement, this love, this journey Mm -hmm. he's like, I want you to bottle it up. I want you to think of it in a bottle right now. I want you to close that. I want you to hold it. And he goes, because years down the line, you won't feel this moment, Mm -hmm. but I want you to remember this feeling and unbottle it and take it all in because that's what's going to get you through this journey together.
0: And I was like, Mike, Gosh. That sounds like such a Will Smith thing There's no cameras.
1: There was no one recording that moment. It was just the three of us on a roof with, you know, people about 15 meters away from us. And you know, I just, I couldn't believe it. We were on the biggest high, man. Like, I mean, even like, you know, me telling that story, I've told that story a few times Mm -hmm. and not in that detail though, actually, (laughs) but it's just something that like, what a great moment for Brianna and I to symbolize us getting married. But also a great moment to share because Will Smith was there as well, you know, and it it made worldwide news. We were doing interviews with Entertainment Tonight in LA and E News here and there. Like it was it was crazy. It was so crazy. And then like you know, about a year and a half later, I, I had to interview him again, and and he just walks. You know, there, there's a few of us media people waiting to do the interview, mm-hmm. and he uh, just walks straight in, and then he just goes, "My man." <laughs> and, and, he gives me a hug. He's like, are you guys married yet? And I'm like, not yet, man, not yet. I said, but we're getting married. We're getting married. And, well, we had we were supposed to get married in December 2020, but uh, obviously the pandemic, the pandemic put a, a halt onto it. So we're hopefully going to get married in uh, July of uh, next year, hopefully. We're going to take it to Hawaii, get her family who's from L.A., and uh, my family from Australia to sort of meet in the middle in Hawaii and get married.
0: Is Will going to be there?
1: I will definitely invite him. <laughs> I told him, I told him, you know, you're my best man. He went, all right, all right. But like, let's see, let's see how far we can get this going. But um, And those moments, like I'm blessed because like, there are a lot of moments, like not to that extreme, but there are so many cool moments that I've had. And, you know, I'm so grateful that, and I, I know this sounds weird, that if anyone's listening or watching this right now, like even if you're in your lowest moments in your life and I've been there, just keep going through it because you never know where life is going to take you. And I know that sounds real cliche, but like, you know, there were moments where I was, I was literally cleaning out, you know, I was cleaning out toilets in offices, like that's what I was doing. And then I was doing a night show on a radio station and I was living in a studio, an apartment, which was, you know, no bigger than, you know, the bedroom that I'm in right now is bigger than the place that I lived in Sydney for two years, right? And even if you're at those lowest moments where you're like, what am I doing with my mm-hmm. life? Go through it. Keep going.
0: I feel like you're, you, you and your, your life and, and what you've, you've achieved is, is literally like a testament of that, right? And I think it's probably because we were talking about Will Smith, but for some reason it just it makes me think of the pursuit of happiness
1: yeah. I've met the real guy. He came through to Dubai and I had a quick conversation with him and that's a true story. And now he's like sort of like a motivational speaker and a guy that goes around the world telling that story, right? So there are so many stories that you can hear from people. Like there are people, there are many people that have come from absolutely nothing and it's just yes. pure hard work, perseverance. Yes, there is definitely luck involved. Yes, there is the right place at the right time. I mm. I believe in that sort of thing as well, but it's it is hard work, man. Like You know, and, you know, people tell me all the time, I work too hard, you're doing too much. What are you doing? You should be slowing down. I'm like, no, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the process. Yeah, I'm exhausted sometimes. Yeah, I get tired, like better. I would rather be doing work and doing whatever I'm doing than going out to a club. Like, I don't mind that sometimes, but, you know, it took me a while to realize saying no to people is not as hard as it used to be, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't want to spend my time drinking or going out and all that. I don't mind it occasionally, but I'd rather, if I'm not working or creating something for my future, I want to be at home with my kids watching Netflix. Like that's what I enjoy doing. Like, or I want to just be, shooting some hoops with my kids or a couple of friends, right? A lot of people move to Dubai to make it big and earn big bucks. And then they're going out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. They're, you know, they're partying it up. They're trying to live this lifestyle that's not even there, pretending Mm -hmm. that they've got this and pretending that they got that. And they're only faking themselves. And within three years of their journey here, they're back on a plane back home with less money, than they did before they left their country. I'm a believer if you want to pursue something, you got to get at it and you got to go hard at it because there are a million other people yeah. that would love to be me and you right now making money and from creating content, from talking to each other. We have the yeah. best jobs in the world
0: it's true when I first joined radio it was never it was never on my radar but now I can't imagine doing anything else it's one of those jobs that I, I feel like if you fall in love with it you fall in love with it if you if you don't then you really won't last that long in the industry right
1: it's but it's with anything like you've got to fall like I wake up at 420 a.m every day for the last 11 <laughs> years do I like it absolutely not but I love what I do, so it's okay. Yeah. If I was waking up at that time to go back to making coffees and cleaning cars, I couldn't do it every day. told myself I can't do this. I've got to find something else. And everyone's on their own different path and people aren't in a position because maybe where they came from or the passport that they hold or, you know, yeah, that sounds good, Chris, but how am I going to do it? I've got kids to feed. Like, And I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you can always try to find something that at least satisfies you a little bit, it's going to be a lot easier, right? It's going to be a lot, a lot easier. And I'm a believer in that side hustle. I'm I'm a believer in do what you got to do to make ends meet. But at the same time, you've got enough hours in the day to start to kick off something else. Find that something that you can chip away at real slowly. It may take you 10 years, but maybe that 10-year little chipping away after 10 years turns into your job or your love and then you get to stop doing what you don't like to do and now do what you can do.
0: Yeah, you literally just posted on Insta stories. I was just on your Insta stories, and you you just posted words. Don't just do one thing. And so true. It stood out to me because you are doing so many things, and yep. yet you you still within the industry, and you still have time to create Fade Fit. Unfortunately, the last time I was there, I never had a chance to try it. I really oh, want to go back get,
1: and try it. Gotta, i got I to try to get it to your neck of the woods as well. But yeah, like I created a, a whole brand called Fade Fit. It's a snack company. Uh, my name's Chris Fade. It's called Fade Fit because in, you know, maybe eight or nine years ago, I went through such hell of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. that I put on about 30 kilos. I was 128 kilos. I was totally just overweight and after living that life of being anxious and, and being depressed and I end up finding fitness as my as my journey it was my escape it was making me feel better it was Making me feel more alive. I started getting really super fit. And then after a while, I got really fit. And then people were like, man, how did you do this? What's going on? And we started this little movement called Fade Fit where people would come together and we would talk about how I did it and what they're doing. And it was more a mental thing than anything else. The physical mm. side came second. And over the years, that Fade Fit has now turned into a full blown company. It's a multi million dollar company where we sell snacks. For kids, we sell snacks for adults, proteins, Greek yogurt smoothies, little yogurt tubes. We have gummy vitamins. Uh, we're just about to drop Fade Fit scooters, little 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 scooters for kids that they push around. And, you know, it's, it's a fairly large brand now here in the UAE. And, you know, before I started doing that, people were thinking I'm crazy. What are you doing that for? You're a radio presenter. What's wrong with you? Don't be doing that that's not right. And that's why I just put on my Instagram now, like, don't do one thing. Now, people are sort of stopping saying it to me now. I had so many people always tell me, like, you're doing too much. Why are you doing that for? You shouldn't be doing this. And it, and it would make you doubt yourself. You doubt yourself. for a moment, Yeah, like I that.
0: relate. <laughs> I relate to that.
1: Maybe these guys are right. Some of these guys in senior positions, you know, and like, oh, they know what they're talking about. There. Then you realize, don't need to listen to them. I do what I feel. I'm, we're, all, we're all born the same way. Mm-hmm. So I've just kept going at it. You know, I do the Fade fit side. I do a lot of obviously hosting and emceeing. I do my radio thing. You know, I'm a father. I've got, you know, investments into other companies as well, where I'm a silent investor for certain companies. And I like to know what's going on. You know, one of the things that I realized with anxiety as well is when I'm not busy Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not that it creeps back at you. If anyone suffers through anxiety, you'll always have it. And that scares you when someone tells you that you'll always have it. But if you're going through full blown anxiety right now, it won't be this. It won't be like that forever. I can give you my word. It will not be like that forever. Like, you know, I remember just having the worst anxiety for nearly two years where I couldn't even go into my radio studio to do my show. Like I was getting anxious just doing my radio show it won't last. That won't last. Those feelings do go away. And then anxiety ends up being something that just hangs around with you and you become a little bit of a friend with it. And mm-hmm. You argue with it sometimes, and <laughs> sometimes it gets the better of you, but most of the time you can start to control your friend. Right. Mm-hmm. And for people that have never experienced anxiety before, they don't understand it. They think, Oh, you're a little bit scared or, Oh, it's yeah. not. It's, it's hell. It's, You think you're going to die sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And one of my good friends, I used to tell him that I have anxiety and he didn't understand what that meant. He's just like, all right, well, let's go. You want to go out? I'm like, no, I'm not feeling up to it, man. I feel a bit anxious tonight. He's like, well, come on, man, let's get out. And then unfortunately he felt anxiety for the first time and he was uh, scuba diving and he went under. It was the first time he had a panic attack. He felt anxiety and panic attack and he came back up. And the next day he said, gosh, man, whenever you mention anxiety to me right now, I'm going to think of it completely differently because I had no idea what you were feeling until I felt it. So I like to keep myself busy. It's not that I'm running away from my problems or not allowed. I think the best Chris Fade is someone that's doing a lot. That's the best Chris Fade. Do more than one thing. Keep going. Keep trying.
0: I know you you are doing a hundred things and especially now with all what's going on. I don't want to keep you too long. I know I've probably kept you longer than I should have. That's um, no, good. But I wanted to ask you, all these things that you've done and all these things that you've achieved and all these things that you've overcome, what's next, like, is there anything left on the goals list?
1: Yeah, I want to get married and have a baby with Brianna. Oh. That's what I want to do. That's one of the that's one of the personal things that I think we want to achieve here. Uh, there's a lot of things on the horizon. I like to set my life into separate goals. Like I don't read, mm. okay? I've tried to read, I can't do it. And I always felt intimidated about these people, especially on Instagram, they put up what they're reading. Then they take a page and they highlight where they read. And I always felt like inadequate. Mm. Until recently I've gone, you know what? I tell people I don't read. I don't read. I'm not proud of that. It's not like I'm proud of it, but I, but I just want to let people know that I don't read. But what I have started to do is do some audio books. So I'm trying to okay. take in more content. Cause I think like the more you know about everything else, the better human you are one yeah. of the, one of my joys about moving to dubai is that i've learned about every religion under the sun. I've learned about everyone's culture. You know, and I think that's so important. If we all understood each other a little bit more, we will be a lot better of a place. So I just want to keep pursuing what I'm doing. Like I want to, you know, I've got a dream with Faith Fit of where I want to take it as a company. I want to keep doing this radio show that I do here in Dubai, but I want to do radio globally. Right now I'm syndicated to Australia and Mm -hmm. I'm syndicated to a few little countries around here, but I want to do more. I want to be, I want to be syndicated bigger. Mm -hmm. I want to do a podcast that gets circulated globally as Joe Rogan has done for the podcast world who agree or disagree with Joe Rogan and what he stands for. I love what he's created. Mm -hmm. He's created a platform. He made me download Spotify because he was on YouTube doing his show and then bought for a hundred million dollars by Spotify to come and only do it on, on, onto Spotify. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to be driving people to download something because they want to listen to what I'm doing. Like, that's cool. Like he made me download an app that I would have never downloaded.
0: The true right? influences, right?
1: Yeah. He got me. It's like when people tell me that, Oh, I stayed in my car for five minutes when I got to work. Cause I wanted to know what was going to happen on the show. Like in radio terms, that's the jackpot. You just did it. Mm-hmm. You got someone to their destination, but you made them wait in the car because they wanted to know what was going to happen on the show. Like that's when you know we did it. So, you know, there's a lot, but I take it day by day. Just set goals and do things and don't do a million things at 5%. Do three or four things and do them well. Yeah. And then out of those three or four things, maybe one of them will stick. Great. Dump the rest. Pick up another three and try those and maybe... It, then, then maybe that one will start to work well. There's more to come. We're going to do this. Let's do this podcast. This podcast is going to be global, your podcast. And it's going to be like massively. <laughs> Everyone is going to want to listen to it. Everyone's downloading it. You're going to be bored. It's going to be it. That's what your podcast is going to happen. And then in four years time, I'll talk about my company, Fade Fit, being this not multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar company. And Kalista, you won't let me on the show because you're going to be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I am. Have- Every other star lining up wanting to be on my show. Like that's what's going to happen. Put it out. Do good. Get good. We're
0: done. Yeah, bigger and better. And there'll always be a place for Chris Fade because honestly, for me, I had no idea what Dubai was going to be like. Went there just because a friend was there. Honestly, changed the way I saw everything about Dubai and being able to see the Chris Fade show in action was beyond anything that I could have imagined. It's one of the best things I've ever witnessed in person. Being from the industry blew my mind, made me want to be better, made me want to try and like, bring back and hopefully help push the Malaysian radio industry to be better and you talk about being an influencer honestly Chris you already are like
1: thank you I appreciate that yeah listen we all play our little part we all play our little role so hopefully once the borders and all that open I can come out to Malaysia as well and hang out there for a little bit I've never been and I really want to get there
0: please do we'll show you a good time take you around
1: love that would love that well yeah it's one of those cities it's like one of the like KL and, and the country in a whole I don't know like it's one of those things where I don't know what to expect like I don't mm-hmm. know what even visually I don't even know what to expect you know so I I, I will look forward to uh, to coming out definitely
0: for sure and then we'll definitely get you to come into the studio as well <laughs>
1: None. Yeah. All
0: right, well, Chris, for everybody who's listening, where can they find you? What do you want people to see that's going on right now?
1: I don't care. <laughs> I don't need you to see anything. But if you want to follow me, get me at, just at Chris Fade. K-R-I-S-F-A-D-E. Just Google that. It tells you my net worth. It's not true. It's worth more, okay?
0: Okay. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, I'll see you in the next episode.
1: You're amazing. Thank you for having me and I appreciate you.
0: with Calista.